Hello everyone and welcome to an exclusive podcast brought to you by BJ Oncology. Today, we will be covering the latest immunotherapy updates in lung cancer from ASCO 2021 and we will hear from leading experts discussing results from the Empower 010 and Pacific trials as well as the current and future use of checkpoint inhibitors in non-small cell lung cancer. To begin, we have Heather Wakeley from Stanford University in California talking about the Phase 3 Empower 010 trial which assessed atezolizumab after adjuvant chemotherapy in non-small cell lung cancer. Empower ONO was the is the first adjuvant trial with an immune checkpoint inhibitor in non-small cell lung cancer to have disease-free survival results. And the study uh, uh, enrolled patients who had early stage non-small cell lung cancer who had undergone surgical resection. All patients who enrolled received chemotherapy with cisplatin-based regimen, and those who still wanted to proceed with uh, treatment after going through chemotherapy were randomized. And this was 1,005 patients randomized to either receive um, atezolizumab every three weeks for up to a year or to be followed with best supportive care. The study was stratified uh, looking at pdl one expression um, as well as standard prognostic factors. And it was also designed to look at uh, populations in series. So the first group were patients who had pd one expression on their tumors and had stage 2 to 3A non-small cell lung cancer. Um, I'll point out that the study, uh, when we looked at the total enrollment of the randomized patients, the 1,005, 12% had stage 1B, the majority had stage 2, and about 40% had stage 3A. It was also a mix of patients with squamous histology, which was about a third, and non-squamous histology. And for those with non-squamous histology, we mandated testing for EGFR and ALK. About 10% of patients had EGFR mutations, a low percentage, like 3% had ALK translocations. And when we then went to figure out, well, how did the tezolizumab help or not? The disease-free survival hazard ratio for the group of patients who were um, stage two to three A with pedo and expression was 0.66. So 34% reduction in risk of disease recurrence or death in that patient population, which is pretty significant. Um, and it did meet statistical significance. When we then looked at all comers with stage two to three A disease, the hazard ratio went to 0.79. And the explanation for that difference is that when we looked uh, into the forest plots, we pointed out that for patients who had stage two to three A disease without PDL1 expression, the disease-free survival hazard ratio was 0.97. So there was no benefit to giving a tezolizumab to patients who did not have PDL1 expression by the SP263 assay on their tumors. As mentioned, the hazard ratio was 0.66 for those with any PDL1 expression, and it was 0.43 for patients who had PDL1 of greater than 50% expression. We also did look at the patients with the Translocations is saw no benefit with the addition of atezolizumab and patients with EGFR um, mutations. And the patients with EGFR mutations in their tumors, there also did not seem to be a benefit in all comers. Um, but that's something we'll need to explore further as there was some hint in those with pdl one expression and EGFR. When we step back as to the design of the study, we talked about pdl one expressing stage two to three A no PD1 expression, stage two to three A, which still met statistical significance. The next step was to look at the all comers. So bringing in that 12% of patients who had stage one B, 
There, we have not yet had enough events to cross the significance boundary. The trend at this time looks to be pretty close to what we saw for the stage two to three A has reached around 0.81, but we don't know yet what that's going to end up with. And we don't have the final overall survival. It's very preliminary at this point because fortunately there see how that pans out over time. I will point out that the data that we presented had a median follow-up of over 32 months, um, keeping in mind that treatment stopped at 12 months. And so these patients have been at a pretty similar ratio. And so we're to, to wait and see. Um, there were some toxicities noted, um, but were unexpected when you think about giving a tezolizumab or any other checkpoint inhibitor for patients across diseases, for patients with um, advanced stage non-small cell lung cancer. We do know that almost any organ can be impacted and we need to be vigilant for that. Um, there were no surprises in what we saw for early stage um, non-small cell lung cancer in this trial. So the take home from Empower O&O is that the Addition of adjuvant atezolizumab after surgical resection and after adjuvant chemotherapy does lead to a significantly improved disease-free survival in patients with pdl one expressing stage 2 to 3A non-small cell lung cancer. Next up, we have David Spiegel from the Sarah Cannon Research Institute in Nashville, Tennessee, who discusses the results of the Pacific trial, which looked at dabalumab in patients with non-small cell lung cancer. Basically, what uh, is being presented is the five-year um, update uh, on a study called the Pacific Trial. So this is a pivotal study that's been previously reported first in the New England Journal um, from uh, for an endpoint that was progression-free survival. And now here we are five years later with overall survival. But um, just to back up a little bit, what was the study? So this was an important trial uh, in unresectable stage three non-small cell lung cancer. This was a global study. Um, the design was pretty simple. It was uh, take patients with um, any non-small cell histology, allow them to receive the standard uh, of care in the world, which is combined modality chemoradiotherapy, a platinum-based regimen. And then at the end of that uh, completion, uh, as long as patients were otherwise uh, um, kind of well from that treatment and, and uh, met eligibility criteria in terms of safety and organ function. They were then randomized to um, the pdl one inhibitor, Dervalumab, uh, or placebo. And so that's an important uh, part of this trial was a placebo-controlled study. And so what we saw in this study um, initially was an improvement in progression-free survival and then ultimately an overall survival. And that has already led to a change in the standard of care um, in many places in the world, certainly in the United States, uh, in terms of the treatment of stage three uh, disease, unresectable disease. That is to say, a patient comes in today uh, with stage three unresectable cancer, um, non-small cell lung cancer, they would be treated with chemoradiotherapy followed by one year of Dervalumab because of those pivotal um, uh, early results for PFS and OS. So here we are now. Um, presenting the five-year uh, updated um, kind of survival analyses and, uh, and, and basically it uh, supports the original uh, conclusion, but also shows that patients continue to do well. 
Uh, so what is known in this update that's being presented at uh, this year's annual meeting is that their value map continues to have uh, benefit uh, for both uh, PFS and OS. Um, and specifically, there's a um, hazard ratio demonstrating a 28% reduction in the risk of death uh, and about a 45% risk of uh, uh, reduction in the risk of progression or death. Uh, when you look at the intent to treat population, I think what's more and most impressive is that about 43% of patients on the Dervalumab arm were alive at five years compared with about 33%. So to put that in perspective, about 43% alive at five years if you got Dervalumab and then the placebo group, uh, that number is about 33%. That's kind of the take home message. Um, if you looked at, you know, who's who's alive and without evidence of progression. Um, so the PFS uh, kind of landmark assessment at five years, that number for those groups respectively is 33% versus 19%. So again, 33% alive without progression at five years compared with 19%. Um, and, and that number, that 19% is the number that we've kind of stuck with for many years. You know, we've just known that about one in five of our patients at five years would be alive without disease uh, progression. And now we know that number is 33% with Dervalumab. Uh, I guess the other important things to mention is no new safety signals as you follow more patients out. So that's encouraging. Also, when you look at uh, the many subsets of patients by histology, you know, other baseline demographic factors, there doesn't appear to be um, one group uh, you know, or one, one factor I say that accounts for these benefits, you know, whether you look at gender or, or age or uh, performance status or histology, you know, patients all seem to benefit independently uh, because of Provitamab. Uh, so that's the, that's the take home, I think, big finding. We kind of, uh, in, in, in research, I think we like these five-year cutoffs. Uh, we saw similar kind of data, obviously, at at four years a uh, year ago and now five years is really kind of a big milestone i think for not only this study but obviously for patients finally we have bruna pellini from the moffitt cancer center in tampa florida who will provide an overview of using checkpoint inhibitors in non-small cell lung cancer this is very interesting. I was uh, giving a lecture today to residents, and then I was telling them a little bit about the history of approval of immunotherapy, right? Because it all started with melanoma. And immunotherapy has been studied for years, but immunotherapy is also not only checkpoint inhibitors. When you talk about immunotherapy nowadays, we're referring to a lot checkpoint inhibitors, because that's what really changed the way we practice, right? But we learned a lot from melanoma, and we still do, because that's the first disease that checkpoint inhibitors were approved and show major improvement in survival, right? So I remember when I was a medical student, one of the first trials with one of the checkpoint inhibitors was being conducted. I was rotating here in the United States and that paper was published later in 2012. So it's not that long ago that these therapies became available for other solid tumors, right? Um, and I think what we learned over the years is that well, second line and beyond initially, that's how it was studied. Like nivolumab was the first immunotherapy checkpoint inhibitor in non-small cell lung cancer that was studied approximately six years ago. The trial was published and then we saw great results and that's coming all from data in melanoma again that we learned. And then we had 
uh, pembrolizumab and then apizolizumab. And now we have uh, durvalumab, semiflimab, and all these checkpoint inhibitors became available. But it all started with uh, information that we learned from other solid tumors. And then we translated the findings to non-small cell lung cancer. And although uh, the paradigm, the treatment paradigm has shifted because I remember when I was still in training, we were giving a lot of checkpoint inhibitors in second line. And halfway through my training, it's like, nope, now we're giving checkpoint inhibitors in first line. So things are changing very fast. Um, and it's all in the past decade uh, for lung cancer in reality. So ongoing research, there's a lot of studies with uh, combinations of immunotherapy and CAR T cells or uh, tumor infiltrating lymphocytes or uh, macrophages. So it's very interesting. So basically you remove parts of uh, someone's tumor and then you culture the lymphocytes in the lab and then you infuse it back and they give immunotherapy or you do that with macrophages. So it's all this, what we call cellular therapies combination. There's, so there's a lot of that to kind, because we know the immunotherapy for it to work, you know, checkpoint inhibitors, uh, needs to find the cancer cells. And sometimes if there's not a lot of immune cells in that area, this is what we call flow tumor, checkpoint inhibitors may not work. So you need kind of to reset your immune system to infiltrate the area so that the checkpoint inhibitor can work. So that's why the cellular therapies, I think, will be the next step. I think they are very promising. They work very well for uh, lymphomas and uh, liquid tumors. There's a lot of research. Um, and also there are combinations uh, that were recently approved last year. Uh, there was a Checkmate 9LA that the full uh, manuscript was published this year that is combining ipilimumab, nivolumab with a platinum doublet. Um, there is, uh, that's the latest approval. Then there's also uh, another combination, ipilimumab and nivolumab that was also uh, published the full paper last year. Um, and there's new biomarkers that we're also studying to see if they can stratify uh, patients and see who will respond better to checkpoint inhibitors or not, like tumor mutational burden, not only PDL1. But I think the future is the cellular therapy combinations with checkpoint inhibitors to kind of reset the cancer on patients that became the, the disease became resistant to a checkpoint inhibitors. Um, there's also some uh, combinations with uh, target agents. So I think that's the way to go for antibody drug management. Thank you to our speakers and to you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and subscribe on your favourite podcast app, including Apple, Podbean and Spotify, so we can continue to deliver our expert-led content directly to you. Follow us on Twitter at VJ Oncology to join in the conversation and visit VJ Oncology for the latest updates in the field.